Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, Dano, I'm doing good, man. Yeah, man, a lot going on. So I will see you all, hopefully, at the NRA convention this week. Thanks to everyone who's been watching my NRA TV show. At 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Appreciate it. NRATV.com, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Chromecast. Thank you so much for the feedback on that. I really appreciate it. I look forward to uh, seeing you all out there this week. Um, It's been a busy week so far. (laughs) I I have to take a little break to go out there. So when I do that, Joe, I work out straight through. I don't take any days off. So I've been in the gym now. What is it? Seven days in a row. Ooh. And I am at right now a catastrophic level of soreness. <laughs> you know, you know, you know how it is like you take yeah. a day off and I've been lifting, gosh, 30 years. So after a while, you know, the soreness d- dissipates and you're, you're you can usually get over it after about 12, 24 hours. I am just like rolling one sore muscle into the next. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's um, in so much pain. And I grappled over the weekend, too, which is even worse. All right. I got some really, really great stuff for you today. Um, a finding in this house report that is just blows this whole thing out of the water. And again, being ignored by the media. And I told you yesterday I would talk about this story about the funding of this operation against Trump, yeah. which continues amazingly to this day. All right. First, uh, today's show brought to you by our friends at My Patriot Supply. We love these guys. I have their emergency food stacked in my closet. FEMA is not a first responder. That's a quote. That's what the agency's deputy administrator said in a speech earlier this month. That's real. We're not, we're not messing with you. FEMA is not a first responder. His words may sound blunt and harsh, but it confirms what we've known for years. You are the first responder. It's your responsibility to prepare now so you're ready to act no matter what crisis you may face. Start by securing food storage today. My Patriot Supply is the perfect food kit that millions of Americans have chosen to get prepared for disasters, including hurricanes and earthquakes. This week, their popular four-week emergency food supply is back for only $99. That's a low price for security, and it's shipped free and discreetly to your door. Take action now. This is important. 888-411-8926. Or go to this special website, preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. This food lasts 25 years in storage. It's your responsibility to make sure every family member has one. I have tons of this in my closet. Only 99 bucks. 888-411-8926 to order or preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. Important stuff. Get prepared. Well, you still can. You don't want to get caught in some uh, hurricane or disaster without it. Okay, so yesterday I brought up this story, and I want to hat tip Sean Davis at The Federalist, but uh, there's been some follow-up on it. He's the one who initially put this story out. I had it in yesterday's show notes, but I will reinsert another article from Zero Hedge in today's show notes about this connection to this Dianne Feinstein staffer and a guy named Dan Jones. Hmm. I had a Dan Jones. I had a Dan Jones in Secret Service School with me. He was a good dude. Dan, this is a crazy story, folks. So you would think, right, with all of this this major league fiasco and the Russian collusion nightmare, which is entirely collapsed, right? Yeah. You would think the Democrats would be eager to move on and make this go away. Joe, it's obvious it was a scam. It was a setup. The media is ignoring the biggest scandal of the century, but it's becoming painfully obvious by the day that this was a setup. I, you all get that. If you listen to the show, I don't need to beat a dead horse on this. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we were thinking of changing the title of the book to something really simple just to say that, like the setup of Donald Trump, because it was. What's amazing about this 
is in the House uh, Select per- Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence report, the report done by Capitol Hill about this Russian collusion fairy tale that didn't exist. In there are some amazing findings. One of them is that the operation to hit Trump is still going on. <laughs> it's still going on. And it's being funded by a bunch of New York and California donors, Joe, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who are donating millions of dollars to this effort to continue to get this information. By the way, it's been fake in the past. It's probably fake now. They're continuing to hit this guy. It's it's almost like, what is that shirt that, you know, the beatings will continue until morale improves? Guys. You have yet to produce a scintilla of evidence that has shown anything other than the fact that the Democrats colluded with the Russians. And I'll get to that in a second, because there's another juicy tidbit in there that I want to get across to you that's going to just blow you away. But you've never produced a sniff of evidence and you're still going. Now, why is this interesting? So let me just tell you, number one, who's running it. Why who's running it matters, who's funding it, and what they're trying to do with it. So this operate, you clear what I'm talking about, Joe? There's still a hit job on Donald Trump, an information hit job, going on, even though the old hit job and setup blew up in their faces. Mm -hmm. It's still being funded now. According to Sean Davis at The Federalist and a Zero Hedge piece I'll put up in the show notes, which is pretty good. I suggest you read it, by the way, if you really want to see how disgusting the swamp is. It's being run by this guy, Dan Jones. Now, why is Dan Jones significant? (laughs) Let me put some let me tie some things together for you that are uh, quite fascinating. Dan Jones was a staffer for Dianne Feinstein, Democrat senator from California. Die fi. Yeah. Now, why does that matter? Do you remember when Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS, now this is the company, follow me here. When Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS, the company hired by the Clintons to dig up dirt on Trump that turned out to be false. When Glenn Simpson went up to Capitol Hill to testify, something happened with his testimony. It was behind closed doors, Joe. And we talked about it on the show the day, uh, the, the day after it happened. And one of the fascinating little tidbits about his testimony is it was leaked. It was leaked without the authority of the chairman of the committee, by the way. Who leaked it? Oh, Dianne Feinstein. Die-Fi. Same Democrat senator we're talking about now. Die-Fi strikes again. I don't, Folks, if you don't remember the story, Google it yourself. She leaked the testimony of Glenn Simpson, and then she blamed it on having a head cold. Do you remember this story, Joe? Yeah, that's like my T-shirt. It said bull shirt. Bull shirt. Yes, yes. bull shirt. With that, we, that's going to be another one. We're adding that to the list. We've got, they're growing. Fanu Lanu. We've got a bunch <laughs> of them. Joey Bag of Donuts. She leaked the testimony of Simpson, which she was not authorized to do. Why does any of this matter to you? Because at the time, there was this big, like, why is a Democrat senator, obviously an ally of Clinton and Obama, making an unauthorized release of Glenn Simpson's testimony, which made the Democrats look like idiots? Right, yeah, why? The testimony was not good for the Democrats. And I'd said to you from a well- place source very knowledgeable source the reason she leaked the testimony joe was so that all the liars could get their story straight remember yeah 
because Simpson's testimony was sealed. It was behind closed doors. Yeah. Now, uh-huh. Diane Feinstein, the Democrat senator, I'll put this together for you all in a second, I promise. Diane Feinstein, everybody was like, why is she leaking it? Well, now we find out her staffer, former staffer Dan Jones, still has an oppo research hit job going, paid for by liberal elites to the millions of dollars. They have apparently up to $50 million from New York and California liberals, mega donors. Why would Feinstein then leak the testimony of Simpson? Because maybe she realizes she was running an unauthorized intel operation against the president-elect and Donald Trump is a Republican while she was a U.S. senator. And maybe it was being run through her staffer, this guy Dan Jones, who was still up to it. Maybe she was afraid that when Dan Jones and others get called up to Capitol Hill, Joe, that their stories wouldn't match Simpson's. Mm. So what does she do? She goes, hey, everybody, look, this is what Simpson said. Wink and a nod. By the way, make sure you say the same thing. Are you tracking, folks? This is really important you understand this. Because it speaks to how crazy this thing has gotten. The only reason I'm bringing it up is the report came up last week. I promise you, I am not prolonging this case for rate the ratings on the show are killer the download numbers are great when news breaks i cover i got a lot of other stuff to get to too i'm going to get to it but do you understand the depravity of this thing that it appears now that a staffer for a democrat u.s senator Mm. was running a personal intelligence operation from the u.s senate against a political opponent and they were feeding the F- the information to the FBI? How do I know that? Because in the House report, it says they are still trying to get this info to the FBI. Oh, my gosh. So you fed a bunch of crap information from Russians. Again, I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. From Russians into our justice system. Used to put together a FISA warrant to spy on what looked to be now innocent Americans. How do we know? Because Carter Page isn't in jail. The guy they spied on. He's all over the news. It looks like you spied on innocent Americans with information from the Russians. And this guy, they're still trying to feed this information to the Bureau? Please, if you were in the FBI, please, God, and I am not using the Lord's name in vain, tell me you are verifying this stuff. You had better be doing your homework this time. I have no problem with people giving tips to the FBI. Pro-con, I'm just saying, this guy, this is this operation was a total scam in the past. It looks like a total scam now. And the craziest part about this whole thing is she leaked the testimony after Simpson went up there. And now it appears to be she did it to protect her own staffer, who was probably working with Christopher Simpson at Fusion GPS, to generate this negative information on Donald Trump. Now... One more angle that's one of these scramble your egg moments here. Folks, Dan Jones is also mentioned in a text. What text? There is it. You're going to have to follow a bit here, but this is really, really interesting. There is a lobbyist. He lobbies in D.C. He's lobbied for a lot of people. But he represents a Russian oligarch who is deeply connected to Vladimir Putin. So track me here. Lobbyist in D.C. Mm -hmm. 
He works for a Russian oligarch connected to Putin. Mm-hmm. The guy's name is Oleg Deripaska. No! Remember the names? Yes, yes, yes. This the the lobbyist's name is Adam Waldman. So lobbyist works for Deripaska, who's Putin's buddy. Yeah. This lobbyist at one point starts texting another Democrat senator. Wait, what is going on in the U.S. Senate? Are they running an intelligence operation? I just told you about the Dianne Feinstein angle, okay? Keep in mind, we have a CIA for this, folks. It appears that the United States Senate was being used to run an intelligence operation against Donald Trump. I'm not making this up. I just told you about the Dan Jones at Feinstein staffer operation, where he's still doing it. Now, it gets fascinating because there's another Democrat senator implicated in this, the Virginia Senator Mark Warner. Oh, man. This lobbyist, yes, and if, remember, you're the audience on Budsman. They count on you, Joe, yeah. so if I lose you, you got to tell me. Yeah. This lobbyist working for these connected Russians texts another Democrat senator, Mark Warner, and says to him, Hey, I want to connect you with Christopher Steele, the same British spy working for the Clintons. Now, you, I've talked about this yeah. before. But what's interesting about it is in the text, Waldman mentions contacts with Jones and insinuates that Dan Jones, the Feinstein staffer, is coordinating all of this. Oh, man. So let me get this straight. A lobbyist working for a Russian oligarch deeply tied to Vladimir Putin is representing in some way as either a friendship or a business tie is representing the British spy who produced the fake information used to spy on the Trump team. And he's also speaking with and using as a conduit another Democrat staffer working for a a Senator Dianne Feinstein who is still engaged in an ongoing intelligence operation against the Trump team. Dude, I just broke a yoke. Yeah, it, is this crazy? Man, yeah. Is this the nuttiest it's, thing you've ever heard? It never ends. This is why this thing, I, I tell Paula every day, I, de- I so desperately want to move on to other stuff. Right. You know, we had the Iran uh, the uh, the Iran news yesterday. By, by the way, quick shout out. The Israelis, you guys have cojones of pure titanium. <laughs> One of the biggest, <laughs> boldest intelligence operations I've ever seen in my life. The Israelis send a spy in to steal a bunch of hard files about the Iranian nuclear program and utterly humiliate them yesterday in a press conference. Bibi Netanyahu put on. I wasn't even going to cover it, but if you missed it, watch the press conference. Bibi's Netanyahu's doing a PowerPoint. Here's inside the Israeli <laughs> nuclear reactor. It is the greatest thing ever. Listen, no matter where you are on foreign affairs, me haven't been a law enforcement guy. I've never was an intel guy, but a law enforcement guy. That operation took stones like you have never seen in your life. They basically stole a Connex box full of files from the Iranians and did a PowerPoint on it. I mean, how they smuggled that out of Iran, I'll never figure out. But this case, getting back to my point, is so damaging. Everything, on a very serious note, again, I know I could be sarcastic in both of my shows, but on a very serious note, everything we thought our constitutional republic stood for has been dismantled by this one case. Intelligence operations being run by diplomats. Now it looks like, remember I told you the intelligence was being run, if you listen to last week's show, also through the State Department. 
Hillary Clinton's friends, Sid Blumenthal and Cody Shear, not. They don't work for the government at all. They were running a private intelligence operation through the State Department, fed into the FBI to spy on Trump. Now we see some of the other channels they were using. They were using the United States Senate. Ladies and gentlemen, these are legislators. These are lawmakers. These are not intelligence officials. What is Democrat Senator Mark Warner doing coordinating with a staffer who works for Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein to open up communication channels to a British spy working for Hillary while you're representing a Russian oligarch tied to Vladimir Putin? Do you understand the level of the utter depravity we're talking about here? Now, I'm going to wrap it up on this one point. I've got some other stuff. But finding number 38, literally in the House Select Permanent Committee uh, on Intelligence's report. Folks, the biggest story of the century is the fact that Russian collusion was very real. But it now, unquestionably, was a collusion operation with the Democrats and the Clinton team. Read finding number 38. It's very, very simple. Came out last week. It has been almost completely and entirely ignored by the media. It reads that Christopher Steele, again, the British spy who worked for Hillary's team to gather the dirt on Trump, was also in communication with that lobbyist who was working with Dan Jones and Deripaska, who was connected to Putin. Christopher Steele claims to have obtained this information. This is incredible. Second and third hand from purported high-placed Russian sources such as government officials with links to the Kremlin and Intel services? What? Yes, that is in the report. It is finding number 38. Read it yourself. So the spy, the UK spy, the British spy working for Hillary, also connected to a lobbyist who's trying to open up communication channels between connected Russians and the US Senate. He now, through it's been uncovered in the House Intelligence uh, Committee's report on it, that his information came from the Kremlin and Russian intel? Guys, ladies. Where where was the media on this last week when this came out? Do you now see why I'm so down on Mueller and why I talk about this a lot? The whole collusion operation is real. It's a Democrat operation. We now have the, the information. We have the facts to back it up. We have the connections. It was being run an intel operation against the president out of the United States Senate and out of the State Department. Now, does that Devin Nunes interview make sense with Maria Bartiromo? Where she said, no. This is, let me be clear on this. Mm-hmm. Devin Nunes, who ran the investigation from the hillside, he is a Republican. Congressman from California. Nunes gave an interview to Maria Bartiromo. That show went nuclear last Monday. We did crazy numbers. Go listen to it, please. Listen to the sound bites we have in there. Nunes tells Maria Bartiromo there was no official intelligence used to open this investigation. Right. Everybody went nuts over that. Yeah, official. Yep. That show went crazy. Yeah. And I said to Joe the next day, do you believe this? The largest spying operation in U.S. history on a political candidate, now president, was started with no official intelligence. But notice what he didn't say. He didn't say unofficial intelligence. 
Now does the story make sense, folks. There was an unofficial intelligence operation being run out of the United States Senate and the State Department. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory? Really? Read the House report on Dan Jones. A Feinstein, a Democrat senator staffer who is still running this operation, trying to feed information to the FBI. They have no fear, folks. It's amazing. None. All right, I've got a couple other stories I want to get to. Really good stuff. Today's show also brought to you by our buddy. I'm feeling good today. I'm a little bounce in my step. Yeah, you seem, you know, you seem pretty you good. You see that? Yeah. <laughs> today's show also brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. Hey, folks, anybody. Hey, you, you. Anybody can buy a firearm uh, and go to the range and shoot it. The question is, can you fire it proficiently? Um, God forbid you're involved in a self-defense scenario. Nobody wants that to happen, but if you if need be, you got to learn to fire that thing proficiently. Proficiently, excuse me, I said that the other day too. Sight alignment matters. Equal light on both sides. Your trigger pull. You want it slow, deliberate. You don't want to jerk that trigger. You pull the gun to the right or to the left. Now, the range is great. You have to go to the range, but it gets expensive. You have to drive there. You have to buy ammunition. You have to clean your weapons afterwards, and it's just not convenient all the time. What if I told you there's a way to practice with your firearm in the safety and security of your own home and develop to develop really solid uh, proficiency with that weapon. You got it. It's called the iTarget Pro system. It's a letter I. The website's itargetpro.com. It's itargetpro.com. What is the iTarget Pro system? It is a laser round and a target they will send you for the firearm you have now. You don't have to make any manipulations. You don't have to do anything in the firearm you have now. I have a Glock 43. I really like it. They will send you a nine millimeter laser round. You drop it in the firearm. After it's safely unloaded, check it, check it twice, check it three times. You'll put that laser round in the chamber. And when you pull the trigger on that safely unloaded weapon, that laser round will emit a laser onto a target they send you. It works with a phone app and you will see exactly where that round would have gone. You'll see your targets by the end of the week improving dramatically. I can't recommend this system highly enough. I have people who email me constantly how, how much they love this thing. As a matter of fact, I always tell the joke. It's not a joke. It's true. My co-author on the book, she's mad at me because her husband won't put it down. This, it's the iTarget Pro system. Go check it out today. It's available at itargetpro.com. That's the letter, itargetpro.com. I'll give you a promo code. You save 10%. Promo code's Dan, D-A-N, my first name. Go check it out, itargetpro.com. Okay. Um. Facebook, I covered this on my NRA TV show last night, but I wanted to bring it up today. I'm not going to hammer it to death, but it is worth mentioning. If you are a follower of mine on Facebook, you may have noticed last week that um, I, I don't put my content up on Facebook, my podcast content that often. I maybe put a show up a week or I'll put my website up on Gino.com once a week. Uh, the reason I do that, by the way, is I don't want to bombard you with my content. Uh uh, when I say content, I mean my website. I, I don't. It's for personal reasons. I know it, a lot of you probably say, well, why? It's, you know, I'm on your page. Yeah, but I, I just, I feel like I'm, one of the things about this show that Joe and I try to do is we 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 don't, we're not artificial. Like, we're here for a reason. I, yeah. You know, yes, we sell stuff to stay in business. And, you know, obviously it's my job now. But we never want to feel like we're selling you stuff all the time. We don't bombard you with stuff. I mean, some guy left. He sent me an email once when my last book came out. Like, you should probably mention that <laughs> Like I mentioned it like three times and moved on. Um, so I don't post my content a lot on Facebook. This is important for the story. Maybe twice, three times a month tops, I'll put my website up. I got probably a hundred 
maybe 200 emails. I, I lost count from people taking screenshots last week. First one I saw, I, I didn't ignore it, but I was like, ah, oh, maybe it's just user error. And it said, Dan, it was almost verbatim every post, right? I tried to share your website, your podcast on my Facebook, and this is what came up. And they sent me the screenshot. This post has been marked as spam. And I, after like the 100th or 150th email, I thought, what the? So I went on Fox and Friends Monday morning and I spoke about this. And thanks to everybody who liked my page in response, by the way, we there's like 7,000 <laughs> new likes there. Folks, I don't know what happened. All I know is this. I'm not a victim. I'm not going to be anybody's martyr here. But Facebook has been crapping on conservatives for a long time. And did you notice, Joe, mm. that this stuff seems to only happen, whether it's the algorithm changes, mm. your post has been marked as spam. Mm-hmm. It seems to only happen to conservatives like me. Nobody else. Yep. Now, it really ticked me off. I went on Fox. I still haven't heard from Facebook. You know, we only have like, what, the second biggest conservative podcast in the country. Mm. You think you'd be interested, Facebook, in clearing this up? Zippo. I have heard nothing from Facebook. No email. Uh, If they send something, I'll clear it up. I have heard nothing. You're welcome to DM me on Twitter. Whatever. I haven't heard anything from Facebook why my content was labeled as spam. That's why I opened up the way I did. Mm. Because unlike a lot of other folks, not all, but a few, I do everything in my power to not spam you on Facebook. So I find it ironic that a guy who doesn't even post his own website that often gets labeled as spam. This never happens to Libs. Now, what's the solution? We could all gripe and moan all day, right? Mm -hmm. I'm torn on this, folks, and I wish I had an easy answer for you. Uh, Let me just preface this by saying I do not. I only have a series of what's the... (laughs) What's the least worst thing to do right now? That's all I've got for you. We have two options. Now, in the past on this podcast, I've said many times, seed no ground on this and hammer away, Joe. If we don't continue to post on Facebook, we're going to seed the forum to liberals. I'm starting to have a bit of a change of heart on that. The reason, folks, is it's already been seeded to liberals. It is clear now Facebook is shadow banning our stuff. It is clear Facebook is shutting our content down. Um, They've collapsed the Daily Wire's traffic from Facebook. I mean, Ben Shapiro's site's still doing quite well. Don't get me wrong. But they destroyed their traffic from Facebook. They've destroyed other conservative websites, too. And none none of this, as far as I know, is happening to liberal websites. We have to fight back, folks. Something has to be done. I haven't decided yet, but I'm considering either dumping my page altogether or maybe restricting posts to like once or twice a week. Now you may say, I don't get it. How does that help? Well, one, if I do it by myself and nobody joins me, yes, you're right. It's not going to help at all. Mm -hmm. And I am under no illusion that this is going to start a national movement here, folks. Believe me, I'm proud that you listen to my show. I'm glad we've got a nice place in the conservative ecosystem here, but I'm under no illusions of my importance. But Facebook, I said this to Brian Kilmeade on Fox and Friends Monday morning. Facebook, Joe, profits off of the free content provided by who? You. Yeah, you too. Armacost and me. Yeah. When people like me and Kilmeade and others, if we were to even restrict our posting to say three or four times a week uh-huh. and then to one time a week, Facebook's got nothing to sell. Folks, it's like a dance party where no one shows up to dance. Hey, let's go to the dance party down the block. Is anybody there? No, there's nobody there. Well, you're dancing by yourself. 
Now, I don't have my audience. The audience is great. We're, we're big. We're not big enough to start this on our own. If someone out there, prominent conservative, wants to come with me on this and start a, you know, let's let's cut down on Facebook. Let's chop it down. Let's stop posting as much. Let's, let's do a one-week uh, boycott. I'm down to do it. But Facebook better clean up their act because I haven't decided yet. I just don't want to force people. You know, some people need Facebook to stay alive, and I don't want to put anyone else in a bad spot. Yeah, I don't want to start calling them hate book. Or fake book. I mean, fake I've heard book, them call yeah. them. But they can't stand us. I, I they can't. That, yeah. I applaud Ted Cruz for calling Zuckerberg out. of it. But it's really pathetic. We had the diamond and silk thing, yeah. unsafe for the... And, and you ever notice, Joe? I'm going to move on to another unsafe. story. But you ever notice with them, it's always a mistake. Yeah. Facebook, oh, no, it was a mistake. We have diamond and silk. I'm sure if they do send, which I don't even think they will, if they do send me an email, oh, it was just a, it's always a mistake, but it's never a mistake mm-hmm. for liberals, which is super irritating. All right. Uh, another viewer email I got, or listener email, I should say, uh, I got from someone the other day. It was an interesting one. He said, Dan, you know, you talk a lot about strategy, but one of the things you you failed to address the strategy from 30,000 feet. In other words, on your show, when you talk about economics a lot, you address, you address 30,000 foot principles and you avoid a lot of wonkery, which they said, I really appreciate. But what's your longer term strategy on the political side? And I have mentioned this a long time ago on the show, and I haven't mentioned it since. One of the best articles I've ever read. Let me take a note on this. Hold on. Finnegan. You don't have to delete this out, Joe. All right. I usually tell Joe when I want him to cut this stuff, <laughs> but I, this is, that was just extemporaneous, so you can leave it. Um, there was a, a conservative author, a Republican author out there, a guy, uh, Brandon Finnegan, and I think he wrote the piece in National Review, and I read this piece probably close to two years ago and covered it on my podcast in the original episodes when we were only a weekly. You remember it? I remember the name from that, yeah. Y- yeah, we did the weekend show on it, right. and it was such a good piece. It was good because it was a 30,000 foot view of how the Democrats are beating us politically at the vote at basically at the voting game. And he was right. Now, this was before the election of Trump, but we still remember lost the popular vote in that. And I wanted to bring this up again in response to the email. Let me set up the premise of what Finnegan says, and it was really genius. And I will find it and try to put the piece in the show notes. I strongly encourage you to read. Again, it's a couple years old, but it's still very good. The premise is simple. Why are they getting more votes than we are? We have solid ideas. Everybody wants more money in their pocket through tax cuts. Everybody wants to control their own health care. People want to pick where their kids go to school. Like, why do we keep getting our cabooses kicked with them getting more votes than we do? It just doesn't make sense. Finnegan's premise was really smart. He said this, they're fishing in a bigger pond. They're fishing in a bigger pond. They are better organized at the voter registration game. Now, the the listener emailed me because the 2018 midterms are coming up. They're right around the corner in November. Elections for a third of the Senate and all of the congressmen and women are on the ballot. He's like, what do we do? Folks, the key is voter registration. If you're not registered, you can't vote. The Democrats have been focusing on voter registration for eons, forever. Now, when you register people to vote, you can't, you can't, you you can just register. You can't force them to register for a party. I hope you all know that. It's against the rules. You can't do any of that. But there's nothing wrong with conservatives setting up a voter registration booth at a gun show, at a firearms convention. Again, you can't tell anybody what to register as, Republican or Democrat. Mm -hmm. 
That is against the rules. But you can go and go to places where you think Republicans may be, and you can't turn someone down. If a Democrat, because I want to register Democrat, go right ahead, knock yourself out. But if you live in conservative parts of the country, folks, we have to start registering voters. The Democrats understand this, and this is why they're swimming in a bigger pond, right? What do I mean by that? And Finnegan covers this very well in his piece. He's like, Joe, it's common sense stuff. If you have a low turnout election and the Democrats, say, have 45% turnout Mm -hmm. and the Republicans have pretty decent turnout, say 55%. Yes, I don't know if that's decent or not for a midterm. Probably not. But you get my point. The Republicans turn out more than Democrats. Got it. Why are the Democrats still beating us? Because, Joe, do you want 45% of 500,000 or do you want 55% of 100,000? You want 45% of 500,000. In other words, the Democrats have registered so many voters through their works with unions and their ability to organize. Remember, the Democrats think like a hive mind. It's the very essence of cultural Marxism and Marxism itself. Think collectively. Collectivism. That's what communes. That's what that all is. They think collectively. They have been so effective at dramatically increasing the pool of voters that even when voter turnout, excuse me, collapses, when voter turnout collapses, the Democrats still get people show up to show up because they have such a large pool of registered people. Does this make sense? We have got to start thinking like the Democrats do. We have got to start thinking collectively. We have got to expand the pool of fish in the pond so that when voter registration for us, uh, excuse me, voter turnout is low for us, 55 and 52 percent, we're still in such a big pool that we don't have to lose these close elections constantly. Now, forgive me for not bringing that up sooner. You know, sometimes you get lost in the minutiae and stuff, but that's the 30,000 foot view of political strategy. And one of the reasons why um, us as Republicans, we continue to lose on the popular vote front. We're just not registering voters. So if you're looking for an action item and the do and the do matters to get in this fight, go join your local Republican club and find out a way to get people registered as many as you can. Gun shows are probably a good place to do that outside. <laughs> Just saying. All right, moving on to another interesting story. Fake news. This is a fake news alert. The story you're about to hear is inaccurate, bogus, or just a bunch of crap. This is a fake <laughs> news alert. <laughs> If you only saw on a ditto cam what Joe and I were doing. This is funny, by the way, because we hadn't played that. Now it's two days in a row. We haven't played that in so long. I'm not kidding. My wife listens to my my wife likes I'm always I'm always honored. I love my wife to death. But she actually enjoys listening to my show. Like sometimes I'll come home and she's got her earbuds in. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm listening to your show. I'm like, really? You listen? She's not even that super interested in politics, but she loves my show. So I always think that's like a great honor. So she's laughing her butt off. I'm like, what's funny? Because I don't ever think I'm funny. She goes, You'll never believe it. She goes, Joe played the fake news thing. She's like, and I started freaking out right before you came in the door because I thought it was like a real air siren. She's like, (laughs) 
I'm not making this up, Joe. This is not for audience effect at all. This is the Fanula news story. All this stuff is real. <laughs> I do not. Good. The the essence of good comedy is that it's got to be real. She's freaking out. She thinks like it's an air sir. <laughs> They're raiding Palm City, Florida. They're <laughs> she does not get it at all. So she was laughing. I came in from the gym and she goes, I swear I thought it was like an air raid because <laughs> we haven't used that sounder in so long. Oh man! So hat tip to Joe for that. I love that one's one of my best. So two days in a row. Now we may have to retire it for a little bit. It's still funny. Yeah. So fake news story. Um, uh, hat tip to legal insurrection for picking this up. I will be at the NRA convention this week. No one at the NRA or anyone else asked me to talk about this. I'm saying this of my own free will. The fake news story. AP put out a tweet. They have since retracted, and the Washington Post and Huffington Post ran a story, Joe that. Hypocrites at the NRA. They're banning guns at the NRA convention. Okay, fake news, timeout, 100% not true, (laughs) completely fabricated. Nobody is banning guns at the NRA convention. Matter of fact, the rules on firearms for the NRA convention are on the website. You know what rules they are? The same rules that they have, local, local and state rules. There's no ban on firearms at the NRA convention. Where did they get the story from? And this goes to show you the utter depravity of the far left fake news media and why nobody trusts them anymore. Folks, the vice president and the president will be speaking at the NRA convention. Mm -hmm. The secret service where I used to work, I'm uniquely positioned to discuss this. The secret service has a set of rules in a federally protected area, which they are by law they can enact on firearms it is the secret service rule it is not the nra rules it is fake news they are complete every single year this happens every year where they make this up matter of fact i had a guy at cpac uh when i was at the nra tv booth i've told the story a few times but it goes to show you how crazy the left can be some lefty from some left-leaning outlet stick a microphone in my face at the nra tv booth when trump was there <laughs> How do you feel you're in a gun-free zone right now? Aren't you guys a bunch of hypocrites? I said, really? We're in a gun-free zone? Because that Secret Service guy down there is packing heat, I promise you. I know. I used to be one of them. He looked at me like I was crazy. So you're telling me I get a Secret Service detail now, too? Like, these are the knuckleheads the left are. Not much more to say. There's no deep insights here. It's just, it's fake news. Looks like the fake news story yesterday. It's made up. It's fabricated BS. There is no gun restriction at by the NRA outside of state and local laws. It is a restriction put in by the Secret Service. End the story. Idiots. <laughs> so stupid. All right. I got two more I got to get to. Other good ones. But today's show finally brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Big fans of these guys. Uh, I haven't spoken about Field of Greens in a while. I've been focusing on Foundation and Dawn to Dusk, which are two other great nutrition products from Brickhouse, but they are wonderful. They were one of my original sponsors, and their products are terrific. When I first brought them on Brickhouse Nutrition, I said, guys, you've got to get a vegetable, fruit and vegetable powder type you know, supplement here because we know this is the key to to, uh, to to good health. Matter of fact, I'm not kidding, folks. The other day in Drudge, I don't know if you saw the story on Monday. There was a story in The Guardian that made the Drudge Report. It had five tips for a long life. One of them was exercise. I forget what the other ones were, but I, I'm not trying. This, this was on the website. It said 
voluminous consumption of fruits and vegetables. Everybody knows that. It's like we all know the key to a long, healthy life. Eat fruits and vegetables, but some of us just don't do it. I don't know if you don't like the taste. I don't know what it is. I I enjoy it. I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, and I still take Field of Greens, and I feel awesome. I love this stuff. It is my staple food supplement, but here's the catch. The catch is there's no catch. It's real food. It is not extract. It is real, ground-up, high-quality, fresh fruits and vegetables, ground up into a phenomenally-tasting powder. Tastes like like a blueberry-cherry mix. It is delicious. I take two, three scoops a day, sometimes twice and two, three times a day. I put it in water. Sometimes I mix some branch-chain aminos. Sometimes I throw some collagen in there. But Field of Greens is my staple supplement. The stuff is terrific. I cannot encourage you enough to try it. We all know this is the key to a long, healthy life voluminous consumption of fruits and vegetables. This is your cheat sheet right here. You get to take it right in a scoop. Take it in juice. It's delicious. Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a jar of Field of Greens today. You will not be disappointed. This is really good, high-quality stuff. All right. Um, Another story I'll have in the show notes today from Zero Hedge about the debt. Folks, we're in a lot of trouble. We are in a catastrophic debt situation. It is obviously bad. Uh, the problem is it is getting worse. We had, I was actually surprised, Joe, to see this number. In the last quarter, ending March 31st, mm-hmm. the United States government borrowed an astounding $488 billion. Now, folks, to put that number in context, this is in three months. Three One, two, three. We borrowed $488 billion. This is the largest amount of money we have borrowed in one quarter since the near collapse of the economy in the fourth quarter of 2008. Where we borrowed $569 billion. Folks, this cannot go on forever. I I have... I don't know how many times i've implored you i'm I'm, I'm, and i appreciate all of you dancing with me on this who have emailed your congressmen your senators your congresswomen this has to stop sooner or later here's what's going to happen i've told the story before but bear with me a second because i don't think people grasp i'm not talking about you you're a pretty smart audience my audience gets it i know because i read your emails when i talk economics yeah But if you're a first-time listener or you're a liberal listener, you're always welcome here, of course. I don't think you understand that this cannot go on forever. This will stop. Let me tell you what this is going to look like when the tidal wave of debt we're accumulating comes ashore and wipes out all the beachfront property, okay? What's going to happen first is eventually people are going to stop lending us money. They are not going to lend us money forever. Now, this is not a complicated concept to understand. If me, let's say I was in debt, say I made 100000 a year, mm-hmm. and I'm accumulating 100000 in debt, because right now our economy is worth $20 trillion and we owe $20 trillion. So what we make, we owe. So let's say I make $100,000 in a year and owe $100,000. That's a lot of money, Joe. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, it is. A lot it's of It's probably going to take a very long time at that salary to pay off that 100000 Now, 
What if I told you that the debt was accumulating every year at a, at a rate that made it almost impossible based on our growth rates to ever pay it off ever? In other words, if our economy is growing at, say, 1% or 2% a year, and our debt levels are growing at 3 and 4 and 5% a year, it's a, an arithmetic impossibility that we're ever going to pay it off. We are in a similar type situation now. So what's going to happen? Again, because anybody can win. I think what we value add on our show is we give you the actual, here's, here's the only ways this can end. If we don't get a hold of this soon, scenario one is going to be people are just going to stop lending us money. It is not going to happen forever. Nobody lends money to a country that will never, ever pay it back. Just like you wouldn't lend to me if I went two and 300000 in debt, the bank would say, I'm sorry, we're cutting you off. Now, what happens when they cut us off? When they cut us off, we're in a world of trouble, folks, because we are spending far beyond our means. We have set people up, Social Security recipients, Medicare recipients, Medicaid recipients, all kinds of entitlement programs under the myth that we have the money. We're borrowing it. I'm not knocking. I Please, I get it. Every time I bring this up, I get hundreds of emails. I paid into Social Security. I get it. I get it. I paid into the food stamp program, too. I don't get that back either. I'm just telling you the government mismanaged your money. I'm not knocking you. I understand you've been ripped off. I get it. I'm simply trying to suggest to you that your checks you're getting now, yes, you did pay in, is no longer your money. They don't have it. They already spent that. The same thing goes for Medicare. The same thing goes for Medicaid in many cases. In most cases, we don't have the money. The money's being borrowed. At some point, foreign creditors, foreign countries that are lending us this money, and United States citizens that are buying government bonds and buying T-bills and things lending to government money, are not going to lend it anymore. Why? Because they're not going to get it back. That's scenario one. So what happens? In order to incentivize people to lend the government money, who won't because they don't think they're going to get it back, they're going to have to pay outrageous interest rates to compensate people for the risk and countries of lending us money they don't think they're going to get back. Countries are going to say what they said to Greece. Okay, Joe, United States, we'll lend you money. Mm At 25% interest, like Joey Bag of Donuts, like Donnie Brasco rates, like your loan shark from the local neighborhood. 100% interest over two days. It's the only way. Now, what's going to happen then to those interest rates? Those interest rates are going to filter through the economy as money gets harder and harder to come by because nobody's going to lend it to us anymore. So you're going to go buy a car. They're going to be like, hey, what's the interest rate on that car loan? 27.6%. Wait, wait, what? Come again? Hmm. What's the interest on that mortgage? Uh, the mortgage, out there, we're going to do a little better. It's 18.5. Oh, wait, what? What's my monthly payment? It's 7000 a month. On what? On a $20,000 mortgage. <laughs> oh, by the way, that's all interest. I'm exaggerating, but you get the point. That's scenario one. Scenario one is sooner or later, and it's going to happen. There is no way around. It is a mathematic certainty. People, countries, and people in countries 
will stop lending us money and we will have to pay exorbitant interest to compensate them for the risk that they're not going to get paid back. And those interest rates are going to be paid by who? You. Your car loans, your student loans, your home loans, your personal loans. For your credit card, forget it. Be paying like 50% of your credit card. It's not funny, folks. I'm just telling you, the government has destroyed the finances. Option two, the government can print money. Now you may say, oh, sounds like an easy way out, Joe. Government can just print it? In other words, if the government, if the, say the Chinese won't lend this money, the Japanese won't lend this money, yeah. U.S. citizens won't lend its government money because they're afraid they're not going to get it back, they could just print it. And you may be saying to yourself, well, that sounds like a perfectly viable option. Yeah. No, it isn't, folks. The government, <laughs> Joe's like shaking his head like, yeah, yeah, baby, that's his, that's his way of playing devil's advocate for this. Yes, we can print money. The problem is printed money, printed money with no backing and value, printed money just for the purpose of paying off money. We've, You know, remember, bad money always chases out good money. Uh-huh. I'll explain that in a second. It's an important thought. But when we print that money to pay off the... So let's say right now, right, we ran a $488 billion deficit the first three months. That's how I opened this up. Mm-hmm. Let's say in the next three months it happened tomorrow. Everybody said we're not lending the United States government any more money. The next three months, they need $488 billion. They don't have it. That's what they went into debt for for the last three months. If they can't get it, they'd have to print it. Okay, that's easy free money. No, it's not free. That printed money devalues the money you have now. Bad money always chases out good money. Milton Friedman uses a great analogy for this when... uh, he talks about when tobacco farmers, tobacco farmers uh, used to pay debts in tobacco. So, Joe, yeah. let me ask you a question. It's not a setup mm. here. Sometimes I try to trick Joe. If tobacco leaves were like money, I could pay off a debt. Mm-hmm. And I owed you, let's say I owed you $100. Yeah. And I could pay you in tobacco leaves. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's better for me to pay you with my finest tobacco leaves or to pay you with a bunch of crap tobacco leaves uh, I want to get rid of. The crappy leaves, man. The yeah. crappy leaves, right. Wasn't said as a trick way. He's right. Friedman gives that example all the time about that's exactly what happened when tobacco was used as currency. It was used as money. Bad money chases out good money. I borrowed good money from you, Joe. Mm-hmm. I borrowed $100 in gold or whatever it was, currency. We're using tobacco now as currency, too. I paid you back in crap tobacco you can't use. Hmm. Printing money to pay off debt because we can't raise money everywhere else is bad money chasing out good money. The good money was lent to us by you. Joe, you buy government bonds, yeah, right? Yeah. Now you, the government's going to say to you, okay, Joe, we're going to print a bunch of money to pay you back. You think, oh, that's great. Well, what you don't, what you're forgetting here is printing money drives up inflation dramatically because it's a whole bunch of new money chasing the same products. It drives down the value of the money you have now, and even worse, you're paid off with money that's worth less than it was when you lent it. Hmm. So you bought a government bond, Joe, for a hundred dollars. You were paid back two percent interest, but inflation say fifteen percent. I've got news for you, Joseph. You lost a. Ton of money. Yeah, that bites. It bites big time. Yeah. 
You're following me, right? I sure am. You lent the yeah. government $100 yeah. in good money, your money you worked for. You get a bond. Say it pays you 2%. It's a one-year bond mm-hmm. or whatever. At the end of the year, Joe gets $102 back, but the mm. government printed it and caused a massive tide of inflation by printing all this new money, chasing the same products. Mm. Say inflation's 15%. Joe only got 2%. Meaning Joe lost all that money. It's gone. Yeah. Joe got almost wiped out. Bad money always chases out good money. And that is what's going to happen. And if don't ever forget that tobacco example. All right, one final story for the day. Um, Interesting poll up at uh, Reuters had a story on it. It was an Ipsos poll. Democrats are losing ground, significant ground amongst millennials right now. This is unsurprising to me, folks. Um, I was waiting for this to happen. I, I shouldn't say significant ground. They're they're losing ground, Democrats, with younger voters. I'm just going to wrap up today by explaining what I think is happening here. I get it. If you're a younger voter listening to me, I appreciate what's happening. I don't agree with it. I think the Democrats are playing you, to be quite candid. But I get what happens. When you're young, I was young once, so was Joe. You're very idealistic. You know how it rolls. Mm-hmm. But you're also very independent. I mean, 18, 20 year olds don't want to be told what to do. I had a bumper sticker on my car that said question authority. I hated being told what to do. What's interesting about this is people who question authority inherently, late teens, millennials, and people in their 20s, will instinctively fall in line with a radical far left liberalism, which tells them what to do all the time. (laughs) It takes their money. It takes their health care. It takes their their education away. I mean, it's constantly telling you what to do. And I find this trade they make fascinating. I brought this up on the NRA TV show last night, how young liberal kids will pan corporations. I hate corporations, greedy corporations that they can get away from. Right. You can get away. You don't like Apple. Buy a Samsung. You don't like Exxon Oil? Go buy BP. They'll destroy corporations and say, we need government to take over. So you you can't stand corporations you can escape from, and you want to trade them for a government you can never escape from. When the government has power over you, it has power over you everywhere in the United States. I never got that. So that's the downside of being a liberal as a millennial. The upside, I believe I understand, is that the Democrats have been so ferocious with the identity politics show mm-hmm. that I think younger idealistic kids and young men and women, they've fallen into this trap that the Democrats are the protectors of minority groups, LGBT. They are not. They are not the protectors of anything. The Democrats are protectors of one thing, Democrats and votes. They don't give a damn about, about minorities, about immigrant communities. They don't. I always tell you that story about how Republicans, they put a um, a bill out there saying, yeah, we'll, we'll give amnesty to these people, but they can't vote for a little while. And the Democrats said, no, we don't want it. Right. Wait, I thought it was about compassion and getting them in the United States. Oh, no, now it's about votes. They're a bunch of liars. So do you see what I'm saying, Joe? They sure. fall into this trap like, hey, I'm young, I'm idealistic, and we're protecting our gay friends, our minority friends, yeah. our black and Hispanic. You're not. You're not protecting. There's nothing to protect them against. Republicans believe in liberty for everyone, all the time, and ferociously defending it. I think, though, the far left lurch of the Democrat Party and this free jobs program and all this up Bernie Sanders, free jobs for everybody, everybody gets a job. I think our younger voters are starting to finally catch on to the scam. And I applaud you out there for thinking of this in larger terms. Remember that example if you're on a college campus and you're just starting to find conservatism. I'm not telling you Republicans are the answer. I'm just telling you Democrats are definitely not the answer. 
Remember that example I just gave you. Trading the power of powerful corporations you can escape from and turning that power over to government you can never escape from is a Faustian bargain you never, ever want to make. Big, big, big mistake. All right, folks, uh, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please check out the Debunk This section of my website, Bongito.com. Matt's been putting up some really terrific pieces up there, and he's doing a piece on that uh, nonsense about the NRA banning guns at their convention, which is just silly and stupid. And please subscribe to my email list at Bongito.com. I'll send you all these articles. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. See you tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.